calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Realm Presents Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Episode 4 James, Echo Park, August 19th. Terrence slams me against the wall, hard enough that the back of my head connects with the alley's faux brick facade. The impact rings from back to front causing my maybe fractured nose to explode in pain once more. My eyes tear up again. In the scuffle, the gun falls from my pocket, clattering between us. What the fuck, Terry? No. What the fuck, Zong? Why are you here? Are you trying to get Charles killed? Terrence backs up, letting me go. I reach out to grab his arm, but Terrence whips it out of reach. He pulls back a fist and I move on instinct. I rabbit punch with my free hand, catching Terrence right under his left eye. Terrence recoils and stumbles back. We face each other, breathing hard. That's when I notice a gun lying on the ground between us. The gun Terrence bought, right before he disappeared. Still holding my nose with one hand, I hold up my other in a fist. Are we going for round two? Terrence rubs his eye, blinking several times. What are you talking about? I don't want to fight. You attacked me first. You're the one who punched me in the eye. What are you doing here with a fucking gun? Terrence points at it. In response, I kick it toward him. It's your gun, Terry. Courtesy of your boy Floyd. He basically threw it at me thinking I was you. When did you go full gangster? In all honesty, I can barely see Terrence through my tears. My punch was a lucky hit. I have enough trouble breathing, so I'm not in a position to stop Terrence when he grabs my face. Before I can protest, Terrence's thumbs explore the bridge of my nose. Ha! Ugh, the fuck? It's not broken, if that's what you're worried about. Terrence mutters. Now you're a medic? Briefly, I imagined a parental humiliation if Terrence had turned out to be a doctor. My parents were the ones who commissioned a clone in the first place. 
Maybe that's why. Hedged her bets. See if a different son could have turned out differently. <sighs> I had to read up on first aid really fast these past few days. Zhang, go home before you get more hurt. I shake my head. Terry, I deserve an explanation. First, the gun, then you disappearing, now the fucking murders? I, I, I don't have time to explain. I need to catch up with him before anyone finds him. Terrence shoots me a warning look, and I remember not to mention Charles's name. Fine. I have a car. We can find him faster. And you can tell me what the fuck is going on, okay? Then everyone's fucking happy. Terrence glares at me for a minute. Fine. Determined to avoid a repeat of the in-and-out incident, I try that grounding technique before Terrence calls me out. Five things I see. A grim-faced Terrence. The nav map pointing to the unmarked location Terrence entered. Gun on the dash between us. The empty street. The red stoplight. Four things I can touch. The pre-warmed leather seat. The cold steering wheel. The frayed pocket of my favorite jacket. The sad, empty little packet that used to have some rainbow. Damn, I could use a dose right now. Three, I hear. Terrence is breathing. Awkward silence. The tires as the car peels out from the stoplight. Two, I smell. Terrence hasn't taken a shower in a while. Neither have I, for that matter. Ugh. One thing I taste? Turns out getting your nose almost broken produces a lot of snot and blood. Terrence glares out the passenger side window. Even in silence, I can hear him judging me. You have to bring me up to speed, Terry. I fucking thought you were murdered. Terrence continues to stare out the window. You could have at least returned my text. I stop. Suddenly aware I sound exactly like my parents. Terrence hardly moves, only lifts up one of those disposable smartphones as we near the destination he plugged in. Okay, he never got my text. The car slows to a stop and backs slowly into a street parking space. I swallow my next retort, instead asking, Where are we? What are we doing here? Terrence hops out, but doesn't slam the door. He turns around. Go home, Zhang. This isn't about you. Part of me is tempted to let Terrence sort all this out by himself, to hand over the gun and just leave. But that would leave Terrence alone, without anyone watching his back. Helpless. Unprepared. So I climb out of the car. Terrence's expression tightens. I don't have time to argue. He's in danger and I have to catch up with him. Terrence throws up his hands and turns towards an enclosed alleyway. Several meters in is a kiosk pharmacy. Essentially, a takeout window for a single clerk with the rest of the pharmacy hidden in the back. It wasn't labeled on my nav, so it's probably not licensed. I lean against the wall, just close enough to pick out the conversation. Back again, Terrence? I is your friend with you? Says the pharmacist. Terrence looks down the alleyway, and I shift out of sight. Oh, you mean... <laughs> no, he ran off. I'm hoping he came here, Logan. The pharmacist looks startled. What? Shit! He needs to be resting. I know, I know. But you saw him. He spooked. 
He's in danger from himself as much as infection. Logan nods. Yo, I tried to give him a sedative, but he freaked out. Thought I was poisoning him. Did you try Victor? Not yet. But if he went to Victor, then at least he'll be with someone who can look out for him. Okay, 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 here. Terry, take these. In case you run into him. Yo, and be careful, okay? They're extra strong, especially for your friend's condition. Logan hands him a plastic bottle, pills clacking like a rattlesnake. The sound reverberates in my ear, sends a familiar thrill up my spine. Logan, if he comes by here again, call me right away and try to keep him from running. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, 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 no. Terrence, I'm a pharmacist, not a babysitter. Terrence returns a blank look, giving the poor guy a chance to backfill his own guilt and sense of responsibility. A look that would make my aunties proud. Logan relents with a sigh. <sighs> yeah, okay, but only for you. Hope you close the circle. Me too, Logan, me too. Terrence walks away and then straight past me like I'm not even there. I jog after him and grab his arm. Hey, the car's that way. I'll be fast on foot. He shakes me off. I stand my ground. Except you don't know where in Los Angeles he is exactly. Maybe he's at this, this Victor's. What are you going to do if he's not? The city's huge. Remember Julian? The name stops him in his tracks. Fine, Terrence says through gritted teeth. He takes several deep breaths. I've never seen him this angry before. In fact, I've never seen Terrence angry at all. Distantly, I wonder if this is a bad sign. I take a step toward him. You won't regret this. We'll find your man. Flashback. Echo Park, May 13th. This isn't the first time I've helped Terrence with a manhunt. There was Julian. After the in and out incident, we started hanging out, above and beyond just peace applying. I showed up at Terrence's place with a couple of six-packs to watch the Angels game, attempting to explain the old game, fuck, marry, kill, with mixed results. Oh, I knew I'd regret this. Why would I want to kill someone? Terrence complained. It's just a game. That's part of the rules. No, James, a game tests mental or physical ability. Chess, go, basketball, volleyball, math, uh, oh, math is not a game. I groaned. Proofs are just number puzzles. I rolled my eyes. Fuck, my dad would love you. <laughs> not as much as he loves you, I'm sure. Terrence smiled over the rim of his water glass. He declined my generous offering of gas station beers. Sensing another counseling session, I head him off at the pass. Come on, you're a parent's dream. Straight-laced and straight-edged. You don't drink or do drugs. You love math games. Oh, he hate the counseling part, though. He thinks only surgeons count as real doctors. I mimed air quotes. Then I side-eyed Terrence, considering. Didn't your clone college allow you any fun choices? It wasn't a college. It was a retreat. And please don't say clones, all right? You use that other word about us. Source? Yeah. I mean, how's that any better? You're not part of the circle. You didn't grow up like we did at the retreat. It's just a description for someone who didn't have that experience. Terrence went silent, deep in thought. I took another sip of beer. 
So, that person you dated, would they fall under the fuck category? Marry? Or maybe kill? I add jokingly. Terry winced. Roquet is complicated. The relationship was complicated. <laughs> Aren't they always? No, James. We didn't even understand the concept of money until we left the retreat, okay? Try romantic relationships when you barely know how outside society works. And Arcogen wasn't exactly supportive of emotional development. We were all just fumbling around trying to figure out what was okay and what wasn't. My eyebrows rose. I've never gotten a rise out of Terrence before. I was tempted to poke a little more, get into the meat of things. When Terrence's phone rang, he looked at the number. Sorry, client privilege. He rose and stepped into the kitchenette. It didn't offer much privacy in this one-room flat. I overheard snatches. Missing. Drugs. Trouble. Skid Row. Then Terrence came back. James, sorry, but I have to fix this. Isn't this your day off? What's a day off? <sighs> Look... Someone I'm counseling, he's gone missing. I set down my beer. Let me help. Los Angeles is a big place, and last I checked, you didn't have a car. Terrence looked up surprised, but he was smiling too. Thanks, James. That would help a lot. The missing clone's name was Julian. Terrence was counseling him for his drug problem. He'd already overdosed several times before, and the EMTs had dumped him at Skid Row. Terrence had to pick him up there. Only this time, Julian wasn't at Skid Row. Or either of the halfway houses Terrence knew. And yeah, Los Angeles was indeed massive. At our third stop, I turned to Terrence. I can call a friend. He shook his head. This is an echo matter. It's bad enough you know Julian's history. Trust me, I'll be discreet. Okay, fine. I just gotta make a call real quick. Terrence steps out of the car, and I quick dial Kisa at the station. She picks up on the first ring. Familiar and friendly as always. Nope. No way. Kisa, I, I need a favor. No, James, no more favors. They end up costing me more than they cost you, which is nothing. <sighs> it's not for me. Like, I, I, I got a client, a drug user, trying to get clean, but you know having a hard time of it. Right, 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 let me guess. Your client needs someone to fake a drug test? Until I met Terrence, in a supply of clean bodily fluids, Kisa had been my main ally on the keeping my job front. Well, maybe not an ally. Maybe helped me once and almost got a lot of flack for it. I winced in the rearview mirror. It's not me, okay? It, uh, look, I need help finding a missing clone. Julian Leo. I am literally trying to save a life here. What is it with you and clones? She sighed. They got the ass end of every conceivable stick. Do, do you know the retreat didn't even teach them what money was? No wonder they're susceptible to drug habits and houselessness. Julian doesn't have a family. Okay, okay. <sighs> I'm remembering why they voted you best bullshitter in high school. All right, let me check this out. Technically, the school censored it to best bull, Loney. I gave Kisa the same description of Julian that Terrence gave me. But please, don't put out an alert. I'll find them myself. Huh. There is a complaint matching that description. 
Okay, I'll text you the address. It's uh, near an old tent city designation. We don't patrol there anymore. You know, budget cutbacks. Oh, thank you, thank you. Kisa, Kisa, I absolutely owe you. Uh, drinks? Dinner? Hot yet inexpensive date? Oh, be still, my beating heart. Kisa said. Before I can make another joke, she hung up. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. We beeline to the address at the tent city. It's a bit of a misnomer, since most structures were tiny houses made of reclaimed wood, corrugated metal, and plastic brick. We split up. Terrence went west, I headed east. It didn't take long for me to find the gangly redhead who must be Julian, rolled in a ragged blue tarp. Terrence, what are you doing here? Julian stared at Terrence groggily. For a moment, I thought of correcting him. But then I realized how many questions I'd have to answer. Who I was, how I'd found him. He wouldn't trust me. He might even get mad at Terrence for involving me. Easier to pretend. Really, I was doing Terrence a favor. I'm looking for you, Julian. Making sure you're okay. What are you doing way over here? Cops are hassling me. Came here because I heard they don't come down this way. Smart. I took out a plastic prepaid cash card with a bit of money on it. Civil advisors hand these out instead of cash. Harder to steal. Then I took out a pen and wrote on the back. Listen, Julian, if a cop hassles you again, ask for Officer Kisa Lincoln. She'll help you out. Thanks, Terrence. I know I'm a disappointment, but you... 
You've never abandoned me. You're, you're, you're the only one who cares. He smiled. I returned it, ignoring an internal twinge of jealousy, maybe. No one had ever said that to me. In all my time as a civil advisor, I spent every day helping, but never once got thanked. When I first took this job, my dad told me that serving homeless people wouldn't get me any recognition. It started a whole night's argument. Now I hated to admit he might have been right. I scribbled on the card again. You know what, Julian? Maybe not Officer Lincoln. Ask for James Zhang. He's not a cop, so you can actually trust him. Julian laughed weakly. <laughs> Even better. Okay, uh, I need to make a call. I'll be back in a second. I slipped behind the nearest tent to text Terrence. A few minutes later, he found me pacing. Did you find him? Is he okay? I nodded. He's fine. Just a little confused. He thought I was you. Yeah, when Julian's on a bender, he gets confused about who is who. Probably doesn't help when people lie to him. I suppressed a twitch of guilt. I gave him my card, but I'm not sure he understood what I was saying. He's over by the blue plastic tarp. Terrence's eyes welled. James? <laughs> Thank you. You've been a great help. I don't know what I would have done without you. Damn. Two thank yous in one day? I smiled, downplaying the surge of satisfaction. Anytime, Terry. You know, you can always lean on me. Do you need a lift back? No. I should sit with Julian until he gets lucid. Thanks again. Later that week, Kisa referred me to Wad as the clone expert. The department leaned on me more and more with interventions. Pretty soon, the civil advisors noticed. I heard rumors of a promotion to supervisor. Finally, real recognition. All from one phone call, too. Just for doing a good deed. I celebrated that weekend by mixing a little green envy into a bigger dose than usual of Chunky Rainbow. I deserved it. Echo Park, August 19th. Terrence and I hop in the car. It reminds me of the two of us looking for Julian not so long ago. Terrence tosses the pills into the glove compartment. I can't help but notice. I enter the address he gives me for Victor and tap go. Terrence stares out the window. The noise-canceling system turns the interior of the car as silent as a tomb. And then... I think... Someone within the circle is trying to kill Charles. I run through the list of names I learned during my tenure as Terrence. Benny? Sophia Newhouse didn't like the way he treated Mia. She thought he might have had something to do with Mia's death. No, they had troubles, but I can't believe Benny's capable of murder. I suppress a stab of irritation in my gut. Well, what about... Roque? Terrence snaps his head to glare at me. You don't know anything about them. I manage a sheepish grin. I might have pretended to be you while looking for you. I think about Roque's hand on my chest, then wrapped around the gun. They definitely noticed, if it's any consolation. Terrence shuts his mouth, closes his eyes, and takes a deep, measured breath. I can see the tension standing out in his neck. You, you gotta admit, Roque's pretty intense. They held my gun, your gun on me. Religion does weird things to people. 
okay? Especially culty religions. Please, don't call the circle a cult. The circle isn't violent, Taryn says through gritted teeth. But did you just say the killer is part of the circle? Charles received a demand to publish an anonymous manifesto. That someone wants echoes to kill our sources and take their place. I knew it. But still, hearing Terrence say it sends chills down my spine. I watch him closely. Did he publish it? No. Charles sanitizes his depictions of the circle in Echo Park. Too much, if you ask me. He he erases the problems we're facing. Unemployment, lack of medical services, Do you know that we can't access our own medical records because they belong to our sources? The bitterness in Terrence's voice is so palpable I can taste it. For once, I keep my mouth shut. He definitely doesn't talk about the divisions in the community. Iskender thought Charles was doing good outreach, but Roque believes sources have no business knowing anything about us. It sounds like the killer has been radicalized by the circle. You need a cult deprogramming expert. Stop calling it a cult. And no, no outsiders. You, you have to be kidding me. Terry, this is serious. There are murders going on with a murderer who murders. Terrence clenches his jaw. Look, Charles is a witness. The cops can't ignore actual evidence. With this, they'll listen to me. Smooth things over for you and your people. In exchange for what? Terrence stares directly at me. His gaze, a laser beam. I blink. What, what are you talking about? It's always quid pro quo with you. Favor for a favor. My gaze drifts to the nav, even though the car doesn't need any help. That's how society works, Terry. No, Zhang. Our relationship is transactional. Whenever you do something for me, you always ask for something in return. <laughs> so? That's how my family, a lot of Asian families do things. You should see my aunties and uncles mentally calculating favors. I must have hit a sore spot because Terrence goes back to staring out the window. After a minute, I lower my voice. I gave you money for the urine because you said you needed it. Fine. I've enabled your drug habit, James. I take responsibility for that. But you only paid me to assuage your guilt. And you gave me pee out of kindness of your heart? No, you wanted something too. You might not have had money at the retreat, but you clearly understand payback. You're right. Terrence surprises me. I look over, but he's staring out the window at the passing streetlights. You're not the only transactional one. I wanted to know more about your life. What it was like having a biological family. Families are made, not born. But what if I had been born into a family? Would I have a different sense of responsibility? A different sense of forgiveness? I was looking for reflection. Trying to learn from you, James. That's a first. I wonder what my parents would say to someone using me as a life model. So, what have you learned? That we're both incapable of genuine friendship? Terrence winces. I'm making this about me. I apologize. Look, Terrence. I was trying to be your friend. When you disappeared, I thought you had been murdered. I finally tracked you down, and you're biting my head off accusing me of being transactional? What bullshit. James, I'm sorry, okay? We're ten minutes away from the address Terrence gave me. What's the plan here? Find Charles at this guy's Victor's house? Then what? I don't know, 
But Victor's place isn't safe. Too many people know how often Charles stays there. Family Rooster is likely compromised too, after you shouted his name all over the block. Terrence shoots me a look. Uh, how was I supposed to know? I snap. Terrence massages the bridge of his nose. Maybe we can find a hotel to hide him in. I just don't have the money to. <laughs> of course, yo, okay, there it is. Terrence looks puzzled, then realization dawns. N no, I, I wasn't going to ask. I'm not a fucking bank. Terrence shakes his head. I never asked you for money in the first place. You insisted on paying me. Fine, if I'm paying, I want my urine. Terrence exhales. You know what? Just let me get out of here. I'll look for Charles on my own. Great. Good luck not getting murdered. He doesn't say anything when he hops out of the car. Terrence disappears in the rear view. Fucking fine. Let him walk it off. It'll be good for him. Give him time to recover from his little temper tantrum. Here I am, making sure he's safe, finding his friends, taking on this whole murder mystery solo, only to be criticized at every turn. Where's the gratitude? Obviously. Terrence is too close to all of this. He isn't thinking straight. Not just a cult brainwashing. He's too emotional. I've got the advantage. Being on the outside. A rational observer. Not emotionally entangled in clone drama. As far as I see it, neither Benny nor Roque are off the suspect list. And Charles needs real medical attention. Professional protection. Things Terrence can't provide. He thinks he can take care of everyone by himself, but he's in over his head. Our relationship isn't transactional. Terrence just lashed out because he needs someone to be the villain. I can't see Terrence in the rear view anymore. I could just leave. But Victor's address is still plugged into the nav. I hit the reroute and steer along a parallel street. With wheels, I'll beat Terrence to Victor's. Once there, I'll reason with Charles, take him to the hospital, get a police escort, fix Terrence's mess. Because I'm not the villain. I'm the hero. Victor lives in an apartment complex, a set of condos devalued in the last housing bust on the outskirts of Echo Park. A real estate company acting as a tax shelter bought the property and let it die, cashing out when the state seized Echo Park to house Arkigen's children. I take in the complex's cracked paint, broken piping, and exposed wiring. As I approach, the LED hallway lights dim and flare. Somewhere in the background, there's a high-pitched whine of a malfunctioning motion sensor. I grip the gun in both hands. Five things I see. Door. Stairs. Peeling drywall. Broken light bulb. Really shitty carpet. I take one look at the elevator and decide against risking it. Thing looks ready to collapse. I climb the stairs to the third floor. Suddenly, footsteps. I press my back to the wall, heart hammering. Someone's getting closer. Relax, I tell myself. I'm not doing anything suspicious. Still, I wait until the footsteps slow, but then they disappear. I push out of the stairwell into the hallway and... Fucking... why? I whip around and raise the gun up. Damn it. It's just Terrence. Cursing, I lower it again. Don't fucking sneak up on me. I could have shot you. 
Don't run around sticking a gun in other people's business. Terrence starts forward. I turn around, ready to follow him. But the sight at the end of the hallway stops me cold. Wait, Terry. I grab his arm, stopping him. Doors open. There's a light on the inside of the apartment. The doorknob hangs at a funny angle. Was it already broken? Or did someone break it recently? I lift the finger to my lips and gesture with the gun. Terrence shakes his head. Rolling my eyes, I elbow him out of the way. Fine, I'll take point. But Terrence touches my shoulder. Don't fucking spook him. My pulse rabbits in my eardrums. Doors don't sit ajar in these situations because things are safe. Terrence grimaces, but he lets go of my shoulder at least. I creep toward the apartment. Gun braced in both hands to keep it from trembling. The lights flicker, both warm yellow coming from inside the apartment, harsh white of the hallway. My stomach churns at the motion. The doors only open a crack. I can't see much beyond stained carpet, a single blank wall. I pause when I reach it. Do I announce myself? Barge in? I can't hear over the thunder of my pulse. Every instinct in my body screams that something is wrong. I plant one palm on the door and ease it inward. The creak sets my nerves on edge. A short hallway opens into a living room-kitchen-room combo. I step inside, holding my breath. At the same time, I raise the gun. The floor creaks. There's someone on the couch. Gun in his hand. I freeze. I'm not moving. I'm not pulling the trigger either. It takes my conscious brain a second to catch up. I hear my voice as if it were coming from someone else's body. Oh, shit. Then, Terrence is in there, pushing past me. The gun drops to my side, limp. My eyes flit across the scene. Five things I see. Blood spatter on the yellowed wall. A growing puddle on the carpet. Charles's body, limp against the threadbare cushions. A gun dangling from his bandaged right hand. Charles's head, the horrible deep red soaking his hair. The bandages. I drift forward, even though every muscle in my body screams at me to turn around, run the other way. Terence kneels in front of Charles. I join him and immediately regret it. Charles's head tips backward, revealing the hole underneath his chin. Those broken teeth on his collar. Terror and adrenaline surge through me in a flush of heat, a dizzying tingle in my chest. Terence shakes his head. No, no, no way Charles would kill himself. This is a fake-out. Someone killed him and made it look like suicide, right? I can't tell if he's trying to convince me or himself. I touch his shoulder. We have to go before the police come. He looks confused. Shouldn't we wait? Talk to the police? I swallow thickly. Look from him to the gun in my hand, to the gun in Charles's hand, to the still-open apartment door. Anywhere but Charles himself. No, Terry, you don't get it. You and I are going to be suspects. Then you go. Like I said, this is an echo thing. Terry, 
I have to take responsibility for him. I was responsible for him. And now I have to make sure his body is taken care of. I'm the one in charge of funerals now, it seems. Make an anonymous call then. Don't get caught here at the scene. Just go, James. Look, okay? Look, think about it. Whatever you decide, I'll be waiting in the car. It's, it's around the corner. You can jet anytime. Terrence makes no move. So I do. I have to. One more second in this room and I'll lose it. I almost throw myself down the stairs. I collect myself just before leaving the apartment complex. Dimly aware there could be surveillance cameras. Drones. Then I speed walk to the car and leap inside. I reach for my keys and realize I'm still holding the gun. Did people see me just now? Carrying it out of the apartment? What are you supposed to do in a situation like this? Ditch the gun? Wouldn't that look more suspicious? Oh, what am I doing? I'm still holding the gun. My hand shakes so hard, slicked with sweat, that it takes me a couple tries to open the glove compartment. I toss the gun inside. It rattles. Slowly, I reach inside, remove the small plastic bottle. The pills Terrence got from Logan. For Charles's pain. Well, he doesn't need them anymore. Dead. Is it my fault? He was safe at Family Rooster until I showed up. No. I was just looking out for Terrence. I had no idea what was going on. Charles is the one who ran off, and Terrence kept me in the dark about all this. I struggle with the safety cap on the bottle. My heartbeat thumps in my chest. Each beat, a blow that shakes my hands. Each blow, a gunshot in my ears through Charles's head. The fucking teeth. I try to shake that thought out, staring out the window, muttering. Five things. Let's go. Apartment complex. Street sign. A dead man on a couch. Fuck! I shake my head. The bottle rattles with me. Four smells. Cooking oil. Incense. Blood. I hadn't known blood had a scent. Not like that. The bottle pops open. I tip it horizontally. I still can't steady my hands. All the pills spill into my palm at once. Just a few, really. They're so tiny. With all the chunky rainbow I've been taking for months, and a little deep blue, some green envy now and then, I've got a high tolerance. These probably wouldn't even put a dent in me. For a second, I hear Terrence's voice, calling himself an enabler. <sighs> Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm not in a rational mind frame right now. Well, no fucking wonder. My clone just led me to a crime scene. My clone, Terrence, with his condescending counselor tone and the praise everyone in his community heaps on him. Suddenly I realize who Terrence reminds me of. My father. The insight is almost enough to make me close my fists, dump the pills back into the bottle. Almost. You're listening to Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Echo Park is a Realm production. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Echo Park stars Harry Shum Jr. Written by Curtis C. Chen, Monty Lin, Millie Ho, Sloane Leong, and Jen Reese. Produced by Rhoda Belleza, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Directed by Pun Bandu. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Julian Yap, and Harry Shum Jr. Associate produced by Michael Coulter. Starring Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Tauzon. Loop Group actors David Chen, James Taku Leung, Constance Parng, and Artemis Snow. Sound design by Krista Giametti. Mixing and mastering by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Justin DeWald. Original score by Martin D. Fowler. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas and Louise Daisy. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like Echo Park by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>